listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. It's Thanksgiving weekend, which means our numbers are a bit thinner than usual. No, it's not all just the Blue Jays game and the American presidential debate. It's Thanksgiving. Some people are traveling. Some are closing down cottages for the season. Some are gathering tonight with their families for the turkey dinner. Those are all good things to be doing this weekend, but it's also good to be here. In Canada, Thanksgiving has been officially celebrated as a holiday since 1879. Though if you really wanted to go deep, you could make a case that the first Thanksgiving was celebrated in 1578, when the Arctic explorer Martin Frobisher and his crew finally found land and had a dinner, a feast of Thanksgiving, although apparently it was salted beef and mushy peas. (laughs) Hard to be thankful, but... The actual date of Canadian Thanksgiving bounced around a bit until in 1957, the Canadian Parliament issued this proclamation. A day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed to be observed on the second Monday in October. Now, did you catch that? 1957, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God, says the Canadian Parliament. Now, that proclamation was made just as we were beginning to move out of the era known as Christendom, when church and state pretty much went hand in hand. In 1957, almost no one questioned prayer in schools or at the opening of city council meetings. No one would have shied away from saying Merry Christmas instead of the rather generic Happy Holidays. No one would have questioned which Almighty God we were to thank on the second Tuesday in October. Our Almighty God, of course. But if you listened to the radio or read the newspaper over the past few days, you'll have heard lots of talk about Turkey and getting together with family, but no reference to thanking God. It's a general thankfulness that our society is to celebrate, to take a sort of a posture of gratitude that we live in a safe and stable and generally humane country. And we might be just a little particularly smug these days, that we live north of the 49th parallel. (laughs) But I think for me, a general thanksgiving, general thankfulness only goes so far. If someone does something for me, if someone gifts me with something or does me a kindness, I find that I really want or need to acknowledge that with a gesture or a word of thanks. Similarly, if I'm going to make any sense of this weekend, I personally need to orient my posture of gratefulness to someone, to the giver of the great gift. Tonight, 
the lectionary has given us a Thanksgiving gospel if there ever was one. Funny, it's actually a bit of a coincidence because the Revised Common Lectionary is international. And so its architects weren't thinking Canadian Thanksgiving when they landed this story of the healing of the ten lepers on our lap. Here's the setup. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, first of all, notice that Jesus is in a kind of an in-between space, socially and geographically, between Samaria and Galilee. The tension and animosity between Samaritans and Jews was enormous, not unlike that between Serbs and Croats, or in the days of the Troubles in Ireland between Protestants and Catholics. As the story unfolds, though, we'll be told that this group of ten lepers consisted of nine Jews and one Samaritan, which defies all normal social conventions. But in that world, to have that skin disease threw you out beyond social conventions and acceptance. And so their shared alienation and disorientation had bound them together as an odd sort of community, Jews with the Samaritan. They found a kind of a home together. Well, they call out, and from a distance, they're not allowed to approach because the fear was that skin disease was contagious. They call out from a distance, and Jesus says, Go, go and show yourselves to the priest." And Luke tells us they keep moving. Maybe, maybe thinking that he's healed them, but it's kind of an underwhelming thing, right? Just go and show yourselves to the priests. So maybe they were just moving because that's all they really can do. But as they went, they discovered their skin had been made clean. Well, at that discovery, the nine Jewish lepers, healed lepers as the case is, They keep going, probably at double pace. All they can think is about getting to the priests so that the priests can declare them ritually clean. Doesn't matter what condition their skin is in, until the priests say they're ritually clean, nothing. But if the priests give them that that declaration, they can go back. They can go back home and try to resume their normal lives with their families in their communities. So who can blame them for just kind of going double time straight to the priests? Then one of them, Luke tells us, one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. He wasn't under the authority of the Jewish priests, so he didn't need to run and get that clean bill of health the declaration of being ritually pure. Still, as a Samaritan, he would have been answerable to his own priests who had a very similar parallel system. He would have been subject to their ritual practices. So, it's fascinating that he's the one who turns back to give thanks. Jesus asked, 
Were not ten made clean? The other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, it might sound like there's a bit bit of bite to that word foreigner, right? I mean, the nine, the other nine, weren't foreigners. They were outcast members, but members all the same as covenant people. But this one, he's an outsider. What's the difference? What's gone on here? Well, I think part of it is that those nine were covenant people so wrapped up in their need to rigidly satisfy the letter of the law that they didn't even think to come back to the one who'd given them this great gift. It happens again and again in the Gospels, doesn't it? I mean, the most outside people, the foreigner, the Samaritan, the leper, the tax collector, the broken person, the blind man, the most outside and lost people seem to completely get it, completely understand who they're dealing with. While those who should have a bit of insight, the covenant people, they're so bound up in religiosity that it blinds them. They miss what's going on. Jesus said to him, get up, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now that's an interesting line too, isn't it? I mean, presumably, the other nine remain cleansed of their leprosy. But this one Samaritan is told, get up, your faith has made you well. He's declared well or whole on account of his faith, his, his returning, his recognition. So what's the difference? Well, here's what Robert Ferrer Capon says. He says, The Samaritan goes away with his life saved because, like the prodigal son, he has not put his derelict life into forgettery. Great line, right? He's not put his old, broken life into forgettery. At Jesus' feet, he sees himself whole, dead, and risen, an outcast and accepted, a leper and cleansed. And he sees himself that way because, like the prodigal, he has not hated the light, and he has not lived the lie of trying to keep his wretchedness away from the light. Rather, he has done the truth and come to the light with the whole sum of his life. He knows how broken he is, how broken he was bodily by that leprosy, but how broken, how deep his need was to no longer be an outcast, and he brings it back, dead and alive. He was dead and is now alive and can't for a minute forget both the deadness and this new aliveness. He's honest with himself. And because of that, his posture prostrated at Jesus' feet. His posture is one of profound thankfulness. He knows what he is. He knows what he was. And he knows what he can become. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love the writings of the poet and undertaker Thomas Lynch. Yes, undertaker. Some of you heard him when he spoke at St. Margaret's here two or three years ago. Brilliant writer. He has some words on thanks that speak both to this gospel, to this leper returning, 
but also to our day-to-day posture, our lives. So listen to Thomas Lynch. He writes, Someone told me that I should just say thanks, and that all my prayers should begin that way, and never stray far from the notion that life was a gift to be grateful for. I began by giving thanks for my family, for the blessings of my household, the gifts of my children, then the daylight and the nightfall and the weather, then the kindness you could see in humankind, their foibles and their tender mercies. And every time I say it, thanks, the prayer gets answered. Someone out of the blue every day Maybe my wife, or someone at the office, or the guy in line at the airport, or someone in a letter that came in the mail, or something in the lives of my sons and daughter. Someone gives out with a sign or wonder in the voice of God, in some other voice than mine, to answer my prayer of thanks. Every day, every time, never fails. If I just say thanks, I'll get the answer before the darkness comes. You're welcome, it says. You're welcome. That's a posture. It's a posture for us to assume before God. In good times and in not so good times. When the light is blazing or when the darkness refuses to lift. Find the gift that's there. Even if it seems hidden, find the gift for which you can be grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Like the Samaritan who turned around to offer his thanks, we'll find aliveness, even as we acknowledge the deadness we've been living with. We'll find a bit of light, even through the darkness. That's a thanksgiving worth roasting a turkey for. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church, or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.